Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we are speaking with Adolfo, a Border Patrol agent, and Dr. Kent Corso, a clinical psychologist specializing in suicide prevention. Agent Adolfo discusses how he uses meditation to help him with the day-to-day activities and stress of working as a Border Patrol agent. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, or veteran support member. Or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. Today, our guest is Adolfo. Adolfo, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Good morning. I'm a Border Patrol agent in the Rio Grande Valley sector. I'm assigned to Intel. And I've been in the Border Patrol for 20 years, last September. Thank you. You and I met when I was in the Valley doing some suicide prevention sessions for your sector. And you came up to me after the discussion and shared some of your experiences with building and maintaining your resilience. And I was hoping you would be willing to talk about that today with our audience. Yes. What? gave me the, the idea or the, or the courage to come up to you is when you mentioned the 2080, if I remember correctly, about 20% of the people that end their lives by suicide, you can't get to. The things escalate so fast that you can't get to them. And then there's an 80% that does not want to kill themselves. And that's giving all those signs and warnings. Yes. But the rest of us um, are too busy in our own heads and with our own lives that even when they're giving all these warnings, we miss them. So that's when I had the idea to come up to you and and talk to you about meditation. And you suggested a podcast after we finished our conversation and we're here. And here we are. That's right. So you're absolutely right. What we know about suicide is that 20% of the people who die by suicide, we will never be able to catch because either it escalates too quickly for anyone to intervene or they are so determined to end it. And so they don't show any signs. If they are struggling, they conceal all symptoms, indications. Meanwhile, 80% of people who die by suicide will show some sort of a sign. But to your point, if we're paying attention. Yes. So we, we also talked about how 
out of that 80%, CBP could be in their own category because a lot of agents don't seek help. And it's more of a do it yourself somehow and you cope as best as you can with whatever tools and skills you have and not necessarily reach out and ask for help. Yes, it's a very masculine culture in CBP. And the research about men and masculinity states that men do not easily seek help. And that's not uncommon in other law enforcement organizations where it tends to be a culture around masculinity and I can do it myself or I don't need help. And certainly that's one of the barriers to us tackling the suicide problem in CBP. What I would like to share today is my meditation journey and and how it transformed my life. I do mindfulness meditation. And basically what mindfulness is, the the basic human ability to be fully present and aware of where uh, we are and what we are doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. And to me, that's huge because if we do this, then we will be able to at least detect those around us that are giving all those signs because we're not too busy in our own mind and we would be able to better help them. So what you're saying is mindfulness is a state of situational awareness where you are very dialed into what's going on around you at any given time to include your five senses, right? So sight, taste, touch, smell, hearing, right? Yes, sir. And along along with that comes you stay consistent. If you do your daily practice, what it does, it gets you to a level where your stress, your depression, your anxiety, all those symptoms or stressors that you talked about in your presentation are the top ones when somebody commits suicide. What it does, it helps you better manage those. And meditation doesn't take away you living and experiencing life, but it helps you manage those uh, stressors and uh, keep them and check if you will, and better react to life. That's a great point. So what you're saying is that mindfulness practice, mindfulness skills, even meditation doesn't fix the stressor that's coming at you, but it does fortify you, strengthen you, make you more able to tolerate or withstand or overcome whatever the stressor is. Is that right? That is correct. I like to share something here at RGB. You, we lost one of our own. Rest in peace. And I want to share something that we did as a unit. We came together. Um, we met some of our guys, uh, cooked breakfast for everybody else, and just came together and shared and honored his life with stories. And we shared stories. We shared tears. And you could see how. Mm-hmm. The effect that it had on our unit, and especially on those that were closest to him. And it was something very beautiful we were able to do. And then within hours, by the nature of what we, what we were doing, by because we were at work, we were back at out in the field and following the bad guy and, and arresting people and doing our day-to-day. And, right. And then, of course, everybody has to get back to what they were doing. and. Maybe not being able to fully mourn him and assimilate to what had just happened because we were just getting back to work. And although we found out over the weekend, you get back to work and you actually don't see him there anymore. 
and it's something that stays with you and then it's going to stay with us for, for a while right this is where having good coping habits and a proper support comes in and if you allow me to to share my experiences with meditation and i'd like to tell you a little bit of how i um started meditating and what got me to do a, a daily practice absolutely before you go there can i just clarify something you said a minute ago yes please. It sounds like what you're saying is in order to celebrate the life of the brother you lost and in order to mourn and grieve in a healthy way, you guys got together within your team and you just kind of broke bread, had a meal, told some funny stories, reminisced a bit about your lost brother. And then you were able to shift gears and get back out on the job. And what I'm struck by is how helpful that must have been for you guys. Yes, definitely. It was beautiful. It, it gave you some time to reminisce and to tell those stories and to celebrate his life. And yes, we had to get back to business, but it was, I believe, a great start to going through that process in, in the morning. Yes, absolutely. Because grief is a process. It's not a task you do that has a start and finish. It's something that has to unfold over time. And I just want to highlight how important it is to do the types of things that you did with your coworkers, because that's what helps us progress through that natural grief process. Our listeners out there, grief is one of the top 10 contributing factors to CBP suicides. So if we don't grieve in a healthy way, we may be at higher risk for suicide. So Adolfo, I'm so glad you are willing to share that personal story with us and would love to hear more about meditation and how it's helped you. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to share this. So my meditation journey started about uh, six years ago at a time where stress, anxiety, anger, rage, uh, were no longer at a manageable level. I was assigned to the nar narcotic uh, task force, a targeting team, and I used my stress and anxiety, that anger, that rage that had built up from all this stress as a driving force and that motivation to do my job. And it helped me perform that job and I excelled, but it, it took its toll. It took its toll with my personal life, which was almost non-existent because I threw myself fully in into my work and it took its toll in my relationships and with my children. I was always in a bad mood, easily irritated, even by my kids, for them just being kids and doing what they do. So it sounds like what you're saying is you were very invested in work and you were experiencing lots of stress and all of those reactions to those stressors damaged your relationships, whether it's your primary relationship with your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your mood? Yes. So putting everything together, the long hours at work, the high stress of the job, not having enough time with the kids and the spouse, it just added up and not having the proper tools and skills to manage that stress, it, it blew up. And it took me through divorces, a chain of bad decisions, and even getting trouble at work so that I could stop and realize that, okay, maybe it's not everybody else and it's me and I need to get help. Right, right. And in some ways, Adolfo, you may have been 
a good example of other CBP employees who have suicidal thoughts. In other words, you've got a lot of those same factors. You had a relationship, a breakup, at least it sounds like two. You had other relationship difficulties. You were having trouble at work, like discipline issues. Those are some of the most common contributing factors to CBP suicides. So I just don't want any listeners to overlook that fact that while you're talking about meditation, which seems a little bit like, well, how can meditation fix my life or really make things better? But you were in a pretty bad place. And it sounds like the kind of place that sometimes CBP employees will think about suicide or maybe even act on those thoughts. Yes, definitely. And the stress is so high. Some depression comes with it and basically helplessness and it takes over. And I found myself without a safe place where I could decompress, just sit, relax and manage my stressors. I didn't have that. And sometimes I mean, we can sit and judge someone and say like, well, go home. But then sometimes you can't even go home and, and relax. And I found myself in that situation. That's right. And sometimes home isn't stress-free. It's full of more stressors, right? Yes. Home had become just as hostile as my work environment and left me with no, nowhere to go. So I ended up with this deep feeling of helplessness and just feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And, and that's when I decided to get help and, and it wasn't in the form of meditation. I went to a doctor and I saw someone and was seek medical help, right? And it just seems like the right thing to do, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing to actually do. Is that medical doctor just your general practitioner, family doctor, just the kind of person who you go to see for an annual checkup? Well, that and then psychologist. So it resulted in a diagnosis of ADD. And what was interesting in my case is that when you get diagnosed with ADD, some of those things are you can't keep a job. And of course, other things there that are common with that diagnosis. But because I did, and, and I had already been with, with CBP for quite some time, the doctor then kind of switched it up on me. And I was accused of seeking drugs. And that was very uh, heartbreaking because it took so much to show up and ask for help. Right. And then showing up and for the doctor to tell you, and I really felt hopeless at that right. point. And so basically I was labeled as functioning ADD. And then her best guess was that I was seeking drugs. So it was a very disappointing experience. And, and I moved on and decided to look somewhere else, look for a different way of, of getting help. That's when I looked into meditation and it was most of mostly videos and YouTube books and stuff like that. And the reason I wanted to share this with everyone was because that is proactive, do it yourself type of remedy to all these top indicators of things that lead to suicidal thoughts and or ending your life. So what I hear you saying is that the reason you think this is such a helpful set of tools is because it fits with CBP culture. In other words, if people are unlikely to reach out and seek help, at least get these tools in your toolbox so you can help yourself. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I know it took a lot 
for me to show up it 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 was just overwhelming the anxiety to just show up and admit that you need some sort of help and then getting that reaction from the doctor and not knowing what else to do so i did end up looking into meditation started practicing it's not easy at first i did it all dark room um earplugs you name it but it doesn't take all that i just didn't know any better and it was a trial and error for me but um, so helpful what did help a lot and we talked about it was having that safe place so i found a place here and it's a meditation center and um that's where i would show up they would show you a video 15 minutes and then you would do a 30 minute sitting meditation 15 minutes with music 15 minutes silent and i would go home but that was my safe place that was my place to decompress and learn what meditation was and then go home and make it into a, a daily practice that's fantastic it's it sounds very similar to any other skill like learning organizational skills planning skills logistics or anything that requires you to deliberately engage in an activity toward a certain result that you're looking for and it is very much a learning process and at first most people say they feel silly or it feels hokey or kind of weird adolfo one one thing you mentioned that place but for our listeners who are not in the valley how would someone start to get involved with meditation to learn a bit more about it to try to practice it on their own where where could they look for resources or tools so the internet and youtube is where i started very helpful that would be your best bet there's books out there podcasts and some that i looked into that when i started is the the huberman lab and then some books like living buddha living christ because sometimes the dogma of meditation comes with religion or even god but the mindfulness meditation is just a way a skill to deal with stressors and not necessarily having to do with religion right so some forms of meditation are combined with spirituality or religion and others are not i think that's a really important point that it's not about being religious or faith necessarily yes sir and also a book that i really like was uh, it's called taming the tiger within and that's by tikman han and and i definitely recommend that and of course we all have different styles and there's so many different types of meditation but uh, all it takes is a little searching and taking those 10 30 minutes a day for ourselves to get going and to be honest it took me four attempts to go into that meditation center i would show up and not walk in we're back at that place where we usually don't go and look for help right and i found myself with four attempts and uh, to be able to finally walk in to the meditation center and i'm extremely grateful that i did and that the places like that exist and and we talked about i would like to encourage our leadership to look into providing a decompression spaces at the stations at the sectors where agents can visit feel safe at peace and learn about all the tools available to us to manage our, our stress so these would be like meditation rooms at each sector each station yes just the room with with a couple 
comfortable chairs where when you are feeling helpless and overwhelmed, where you can go take five, 10 minutes and just decompress. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but you'd be surprised like when you're there, just having a place like that goes a long way and is so helpful. Absolutely. Would that space, just for our listeners or maybe those who are leaders who are listening, would that space have to be much bigger than a small office or a break room or something like that? No, not at all. I know the meditation center had a store and what they did is it's a small room that they made available for anybody to just go in there and be able to take that time for themselves. So it it doesn't take much. It sounds like what you're saying is build it and they will come. In other words, if you designate the space, people will use it. But if there is no space, they're not inclined to do those activities. Yes, definitely. And it doesn't have to be manned. It's just a place that's available and you show up and take some time and just the benefits of being able to do that are huge. Well, thanks so much for sharing all these resources and these ideas. As we close out this podcast, I think one thing we'd love to hear from you is there are many barriers to people getting into something new like meditation. What would you advise our listeners if they want to explore this type of activity? What would you advise them is the best reason to do so? So my advice would be, of course, do it do it for you, do it for your family. A lot of the times we're serving, we're serving our country, we're serving our community. We, we're doing so many things for other people. We don't take that time to do something for us. And meditation can be something that you do for five minutes initially. And, and if you stay consistent, the benefits of those five minutes a day to take for yourself, to sit and to be still for and just decompress are going to pay big dividends down the line. And if we have time, I would like to share a, a story as to what made me decide and first learn that whatever it was that I was doing during my meditation, because I didn't even know if I was doing it right, that whatever it was that was working. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I was coming out of that meditation center after my 30-minute meditation. We saw a video, did the meditation, and I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm driving. And, it, and it's, there was a storm. It was raining. It was pouring. And on the way home, I get cut off by another vehicle. And I actually come off the road. I see myself going through kind of like, kind of like in slow motion, going through the process of white knuckling the steering wheel, your teeth clenching your jaw and your, and your stomach and going through all that. Right. I, I dusted. I got back on the road. And then what was interesting is that, that I saw myself still waiting for something. And I was safe. Uh, nothing happened to my vehicle, nothing happened to me, nothing happened to the other driver or their vehicle. And somehow I was still waiting for something. And then it hit me that then what I was waiting for was that, that anger and that rage. And mm. it never came. And, and it was huge for me because otherwise I would have been yelling and flipping and doing a series of, uh, of things. And there was nothing. My day continued and I was unaffected by this event that where I where it could have been bad and 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 there could have been injuries or or something and and it had zero effect on me so that kind of was the the starting point where I knew that it worked 
that it's free, that all it takes is those 10, 20, 30 minutes a day and that it works and, and the benefits are huge. That's an incredible story. So you were waiting for what would have typically happened, which was anger and rage and kind of flying off the handle. And you had the wherewithal and the calmness, even though you were tense, you still had enough awareness that, wait a minute, I'm fine and I'm able to tolerate this and it doesn't affect me. So that kind of resilience to bounce back, to not have it affect you, that's why we seek these tools, right? It's sort of like you experienced the results or the outcome or the payoff of investing those times in meditation, right? Yes, definitely. And I know it seems it seems even crazy now for me to think back and say, why would I react that way? And why do we do it? But when your stress level is high, when anxiety is high, when everything is not going the way you want it, then it's hard not to react and feel overwhelmed. And that was me for quite some time. And if, if I can, I'll share a, a quote by Buddha where the story goes that, that the Buddha was asked, that, that, what have you gained from meditation? And he replied, nothing. However, let me tell you what I lost. And, and it was anger, anxiety, depression, insecurity, fear of old age or death. And that's kind of the feeling I get when I look back and, and how I would react to life. Outstanding. Outstanding. I couldn't have ended this podcast better, so I'm just going to leave it there. Thanks so much, Adolfo. I appreciate you. Thank you. This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward, but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? And then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode.